Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to this week's episode of Best Camp of My Life, a podcast about MMA. Kind of, but not really, but kind of. I'm your host, Fernanda Prates, unless you believe all of those Romanian gossip columns. In which case, I may or may not actually be Alexandra Iordanescu, former soap opera starlet, amateur ironsmith, and semi-professional tennis player who skyrocketed to national fame due to what local critics considered a stellar, if slightly nauseating, performance in the grand competitive asparagus-eating showdown of 2010. In which case, I may or may not have fled to the tropics under an underwhelming, unimpressive, moderately achieving identity so as not to call attention to myself and avoid the all-too-familiar traps of fame, fortune, and success. But again, that is if you believe all the rumors and the gossip and that one little FBI probe. If you believe me, though, I am merely Fernanda Prates, journalist, writer, watcher of several YouTube videos detailing the Hillary Duff versus Lindsay Lohan beef of 2003, and perhaps more to the point here, the host of this messy little situation we've got going on. A host who might not be brave, who might not be acclaimed, who might not be particularly intelligent and or equipped to hold any positions of moderate influence, but a host who is one thing, generous. Generous enough, anyway, to continuously find ways to alleviate the suffocating burden of her presence by bringing in smart, fun, insightful, inexplicably willing guests. That is right. I have once more gotten us some pretty awesome company, this time in the human form of Danielle Riendo, fellow podcaster, volunteer EMT, doer of all sports, actual adjunct professor, former managing editor at Vice, and current editor-in-chief at Fanbyte, aka my boss. I must clarify, however, that Danielle's presence here has nothing to do with the fact that she can fire me or with my overwhelming guilt for subjecting her to the frankly alarming stuff that comes out of my brain on a weekly basis. Danielle also happens to be a massive sports and specifically MMA fan, an actual Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner, an incredibly intelligent and media-savvy individual, and most importantly, a critical-thinking human being who's been around all these things long enough to recognize when they really fucking suck. She also happens to be one of the top 10 nicest people who have ever existed on planet Earth, and I frankly thought you deserved that after all of these months of dealing with me. You can thank me later, preferably with heaps of online praise and an arrangement of white chocolate roses. Anyway, here's our chat. Enjoy it. 
Or don't. Just keep in mind that a woman who's capable of eating 12 pounds of deep-fried asparagus is capable of anything. I've got to say, I've written quite a few intros for guests over the course of this podcast, and I have come across some uh, diversified curriculums, but none quite like that of today's guest, who not only kind of runs the whole S website, but also teaches college students apparently performs daily <laughs> daily athletic feats and low-key like apparently saves literal lives in her downtime it's uh an honor but also uh, a little humiliating and maybe a little scary uh, welcome to the podcast danielle <laughs> thank you so 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 much for having me i am i was saying this before at the start of the show i might i might be your biggest fan i'm like absolutely like when i found out you might be available to write and do podcasts for us. I think like I waited four seconds. I was like, no, nah, I got to respect. <laughs> I got to respect. Oh, no, no, no. Let me, let me slide into her DMs and be like, hey, hey, do you want to work with us? Uh, so I could not be more excited to be here today on one of my favorite podcasts, uh, Best Camp. You're probably the only fan of the podcast, but no! it, it's not even an exaggeration, <laughs> though, because the second like I announced yeah, that really I was <laughs> no longer full time with The Athletic, uh, I got a DM from you like five minutes later, which yeah. which was amazing. Like, it's honestly <laughs> such a relief because when you just like feel like the rug has been pulled from under you and then it's like, hey, not everybody hates you. Like <laughs> You're not absolutely awful. You're just like, maybe not great. Uh, but honestly, that was, it was really quick, guys. <laughs> it was pretty quick. I honestly, I think I was running at the time. I was like running on my treadmill and I like saw it and I was like, oh, fuck. And I like grabbed my phone. <laughs> Sorry, this like might be slightly TMI. Maybe that's what this podcast will be. But honest to God, I have followed your work for so long. Uh, It is, frankly, the most refreshing work, I think, that's being done in MMA and MMA media. And like I maybe your tailor made audience of like a progressive, you know, a progressive woman who just loves the sport so much, but has a lot of problems with it. Yeah. Uh, So I I might be your core audience as well, but also appreciate the humor that you bring to everything. You might also be an accomplice though, because like it's your fault that I get to put out pieces (laughs) like which fighters would accompany me in the apocalypse. Like everybody who's listening, if you feel like, oh my God, who's allowing this to happen? Danielle is allowing this to happen. And John, John Warren, our other boss, but yeah. Yeah. Um, Danielle is is responsible for the issues. <laughs> a of lot our of this t- <laughs> is my fault, and I couldn't be happier. About yeah, it, that's so. why I brought you here. So, like, to to exempt myself from guilt for what I've been putting <laughs> out into the world. Um, I I kind of wanted to touch on because obviously, and this is something I mentioned in um, the intro before, but usually I have here on the show very quote unquote MMA people, which I don't know if it's a compliment. <laughs> it's a label. <laughs> it's a thing that happens. Uh, and you're not an MMA person as uh, some of our, my previous guests as in a person who works uh, yeah. mostly with MMA. But obviously, obviously, you've been in media for a long time. I kind of wanted to first start off, if you could just like kind of sum up i know it's a lot because as we've been saying you have done uh several things but like sum up a little <laughs> bit of your trajectory in media up until uh fan bite 
Yeah, of course. So I have always been interested in a lot of different things. And maybe this is because I was such a Star Trek nerd as a child. But there was something about like the idea of being like a renaissance person who's mm-hmm. like good at different things and enjoys different things in their life. Like, you know, how everybody on Star Trek is like an engineer or a scientist or a doctor mm-hmm. or like a commander. But they also all do theater and music and archaeology, like whatever. They just love all kinds of different stuff. And I think that like imprinted on me at a Mm -hmm. young age. So I've always been, like, I was like a double major with a minor in college. And then I went to grad school. I actually went to film school, which is funny. Uh, (laughs) But that's what I I teach. So I guess I get to do that now Mm -hmm. uh, as well. And I actually started my career in the nonprofit world. I actually worked at the ACLU for several years um, in the communications department and was simultaneously a freelance writer, uh, mostly for games, but, you know, a little bit of other stuff, movies, et cetera, et cetera. a lot of movies, a little bit of music, but mostly like movies, games, TV, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then uh, got my like shot to do this full time in 2013, I think. I, I started working at Polygon, which is at uh, Vox Media, mm-hmm. and was like a reviewer there. I wrote, you know, game reviews mostly. Uh, and, you know, actually during that time is when I became an MMA fan. I mm-hmm. can point to the day. It was the day that there was like an Eve Online thing. And I don't even follow Eve online. This was just Gunnar Nelson, uh, who at the time was like doing really well, grappled something like 12 people who worked on Eve online as part of like Eve's fan fest. And I just like heard of this and I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Watch that. Gunnar Nelson is such a weird (laughs) entryway. (laughs) Like nothing against Gunnar Nelson. Nothing about it makes sense. Yeah. Nothing about it makes sense. I mean, I love him. He's like the grumpy cat of MMA. Like he always has the same facial expression and he's an amazing grappler. And like, he has an amazing video of him like dancing with his teammates. (laughs) So this is not a dance, but like that he is, he was his gateway drug is not a, a very common, like, it's just not a common introduction to MMA, but please continue. So, no, yeah, it's, Nelson, it's super weird. It's grappling super weird. And like, I had, I had like seen a few fights before this. Mm-hmm. Like, of course, Ronda Rousey fights, which is around the same time. Like, we're talking mm-hmm. like early 2014 or so. So, like, uh, I watched a few of her fights that year and like started getting excited about it. That's when I was boxing, actually, like for fun. I have never boxing for fun. Listen to me. That's what I'm saying. This, this is the person who has done it all. (laughs) I mean, uh, like the most baby level. That's what I was doing, like for fun to train. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really encounter grappling until I saw this thing. And then I was like, Oh my God, grappling and boxing. You can do both at once. And got very (laughs) excited about it. and started training jujitsu around that time. And like, Then, okay, let's see. I I worked in several other kind of like media places. I kind of Mm -hmm. climbed up the ladder, I guess, a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. I was like the managing editor at Waypoint, which was Vice's uh, video game site for a long time. Mm -hmm. And got the opportunity to come here. And John was like, yeah, you can start as like a senior editor. And, you know, with the intention that I will give you the keys to the car, you know, a few months in, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I was like, hell yeah, you can give me the keys to the car. And then I'm going to hire cool people that I want to <laughs> work with, which is kind of how we got here. And yeah, it's on the side, I, I've been teaching college since 2009. Yeah, since then, I mostly teach film and I teach uh, actually game design. I have a, de- a game design class right now. Uh, I teach at the Berkeley College of Music. But uh I know nothing about music, really. I just know how to 
play a little acoustic guitar, but that's about it. She also plays the acoustic guitar. Oh my god! I mean, it's not amazing. well. It, not well. <laughs> <laughs> that's better than me. I don't even know which way to hold a guitar. It's just. I mean, I, I really can't play much. <laughs> I'm like very rhythmically challenged. Like I had a few classes, and my teacher literally gave up on me. Like I don't know if that's oh. a thing that happens normally. Uh, like oh. that you're so bad that a teacher is like this is beyond me <laughs> but it is oh, that's not a great teacher I don't know <laughs> like I have students sometimes where it's like you're you're not quite getting it but you gotta keep you gotta find some way to connect even if it's not the most orthodox you know he was a friend so maybe he was like trying to uh, avoid heartbreak for me <laughs> <laughs> like maybe yeah. you should just give up now uh, while you still have time before like you have any major aspirations but yeah. and, and you're also a volunteer EMT right yes that is correct uh, a couple days a, a month basically mm. I go out on an ambulance and I do everything I, I do everything an EMT does uh, I'm a volunteer, so I don't get paid, but mm-hmm. we are, the question I get all the time is like, oh, are you a real EMT? Because like, you're a volunteer. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a real EMT. I, I didn't do even know things. that was a thing. <laughs> People ask me that a lot, like yeah. a lot, a lot. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm real. I do all the things. I lift all the people. I try to save lives. I also put band-aids on things. And also like the real truth is, um, you know, something like, half of our calls are not actual emergencies. They're just Mm -hmm. people who are confused what to do. Yeah. Uh, Like something happens and they're just not really sure what to do, which is very understandable in a lot of situations. So, so much of it is just like- Let's be in life, really. (laughs) If I had a person I I could call, just like this very basic life thing, I don't know how to do it. Can I please? (laughs) Right? I mean, like it's understandable. Life is confusing. (laughs) It's scary. A lot of shit happens. And like, Nobody understands bodies unless you go to, you know, medical school and then do four years of a, mm-hmm. you know, of a residency and then a fellowship. Then maybe, you know, something about bodies, but most people don't know that much about bodies. So it's like, should I be bleeding like this? Mm-hmm. Should this be happening to mm-hmm. me? Should, you know, and like uh, a lot of the time, it, no, it shouldn't, but let's take you to the ER or, <laughs> okay, let's like take a deep breath. Being an EMT is like 82% emotional labor okay. and otherwise lifting people and putting them on a bed and taking them to somebody who knows a lot more about the human body than me. That sounds honestly. even more exhausting, though, like the emotional <laughs> labor part of it. No, though, no, even like psychologically, too. Like uh, it can be it can be tough. You do see a lot of things that are incredibly disturbing mm-hmm. and very sad. Yeah. Like really some some real shit sometimes. Okay. Um, but I, I truly love it. Um, yeah. I've been doing it about five years. It'll be five mm-hmm. years in like a month or so. Um, and like, frankly, I work online, right? I, mm-hmm. I work on media. I, I review video games. I write about video games. Now I obviously manage a team, which is pretty exciting and fun. But I feel very disconnected a lot of the time from people and human beings uh, doing this. And I love this job. This is not like mm-hmm. a complaint. This is not me saying like, oh, poor me. It's it's more like I just love to have that aspect too of like very hands-on. It cannot possibly be more hands-on mm-hmm. uh, than being an EMT. And it's, it's very, very fulfilling when you can help people. You can't always help people. But when you can, it's like, I want to like run around the town like footloose. Like <laughs> I did it. <laughs> I did a thing. <laughs> so yeah. One thing that you mentioned, though, that I was going to touch on, but since we're we're here, uh, just the idea of the way that you 
you guys built the fan by team. Like, of course, now I'm in it. I know, like, it's super diverse. <laughs> it's very, uh, very different environment um, <laughs> than the one I'm used to. Like, not that I've actually been, I think, personally very fortunate uh, in my experiences, at least with American companies in that, like, I've had really cool coworkers and, like, bosses I actually liked and stuff like that. Uh, emphasis on the American companies because, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because yeah. that's not an experience I had had before. Uh, but, you know, how much of that, and you're a person who's also been open about like previous negative experiences you've had uh, mm -hmm. in media and about just the dire landscape uh, that we <laughs> have right now, which anybody who works in media like can kind of probably relate to that. But uh, what was your sort of motivation when it came to building a new team? Like, did you feel like there were maybe voices that were underrepresented and, and you know, just kind of like, was that a, an active concern you had when you were starting to assemble sort of your own staff? Yeah, 100%. Mm -hmm. Like, my my kind of vision with FanFight, uh, like the unofficial vision mm -hmm. is, it's I want it to be a place that's diverse. I want it to be a place that is healthy and non-toxic as yeah. humanly possible. Like mm -hmm. truly to have the most healthy workplace we possibly can. And to have a place where fun and ideas are like accepted. And, you know, it's not like everybody can always say yes all the time, but mm -hmm. yes, a lot of the time. Yeah. Basically, right. Like we can't do everything literally or else we will burn out and that's not a healthy workplace. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of like, okay, what are the things I can do as a person to hire people who I think are wonderful people who will work well with each other and mm -hmm. like, you know, uh, be nice. And I, I know this is so basic and so reductive, yeah. but there are a lot of assholes in media, like a lot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of people who, if not necessarily being an asshole, mm -hmm. not, not, you know, their first priority might not be to be a good team member mm -hmm. or to be someone who's good to work with. And that's yeah. incredibly, incredibly important to me. I've been in a lot of places where I've felt very silenced or I felt like nobody really gives a shit what I think. Like mm -hmm. I'm just kind of there. Yeah. Uh, I hate that. I, I really don't like that. Uh, and, you know, I understand that this is a business and I understand mm -hmm. that, you know, we need to make money. I, I get those things. I don't like capitalism. I'm not a mm -hmm. fan of it at all. I think everybody should have all the things they need to live no matter what. Yeah. Um, but insofar as it is the reality, I, I understand that's part of the reality. But mm -hmm. I care the most about how, frankly, how people feel and if they feel respected and if they feel like they're in a healthy environment. That's number one for me. Yeah. And having diversity and inclusion is just like that's it's impossible without that. It's impossible mm -hmm. to, I think, to have a healthy workplace that isn't diverse and inclusive and says yes to voices who might not have traditionally had much of a path here. I think it's impossible to do that with like, oh, if everybody was like, you know, a straight white guy, for example, you know, a straight white, mm -hmm. cis, able-bodied person, like that that doesn't look healthy to me either. <laughs> like that that actually looks really shitty to me and and frankly pretty boring. <laughs> so, so it's right? what like, we've it, been hearing all the time right it's like the perspective <laughs> right. we've been getting since forever and it gets yeah. a little repetitive uh yeah but yeah 100 <laughs> one, one thing i'm curious because like 
I, for me, um, and it, and it really started with the athletic that we had sort of a different work environment and that yeah. I had more freedom and time and kind of like not having somebody breathing down my neck and not having such like a set schedule or just, you know, having my creativity be allowed to flow when it flows best, uh, which also takes some adjustment, I gotta say. Uh, but <laughs> sure, it sure. took a lot of deprogramming from that, uh, in that, and, and now uh, with the, the work environment that we do have to sort of, you know, we're taught that things are a certain way, right? And having worked yeah. in media a long time, you sort of start normalizing uh, certain patterns and behaviors you sort of start normalizing the feeling of being burned out you sort of start normalizing the feeling of just having to be on the go of all the time otherwise yeah. you're not working right like that was kind of it for me like i would work myself to the bone and then i would have a day off and that day off would be just me like sitting in bed staring at the ceiling thinking like, oh <laughs> yeah. my god I have a free time I don't even know what to do with my hands and it took some adjustment but uh my question for you was it did it take like did you have to do sort of that deprogramming work to sort of maybe adjust to the idea that a better way is possible yeah I, I think so mm -hmm. I mean I've always been I, I mean like I'm a pretty self-admitted workaholic mm -hmm. but I never want to put that on other people, basically. And I, the way I've tried to make that healthy for myself is having these other activities. Mm -hmm. Like I do grappling, you know, I train all, all kinds of cool stuff. And like, that's a way for me to be like, okay, I'm working, but I'm, I'm working in a different way or, mm -hmm. you know, going on my ambulance or teaching. Like I have all these other outlets where I'm like, okay, I can be doing something that feels productive and I am not like now burning myself out on my, on my sort of primary job. Yeah. And I have been burned out so many times mm -hmm. working in media and like again a lot of the people I've worked with like on my teams were wonderful wonderful human beings mm -hmm. and I take a lot of lessons in management from them mm -hmm. but it, like upper management you know kind of constantly breathing down your neck about oh th the numbers aren't going up fast enough or we're not seeing enough growth here or this isn't worth doing because we don't have enough growth mm -hmm. or even worse when they're really wishy-washy about it. Where yeah. they're like, okay, we can do this, 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 and this. And they have all these cool ideas and then you try to make something happen and they're like, no, what about, uh, you know, these other 12 things? Yeah. Like that kind of shit is almost as toxic as the just, you know, sort of traditional asshole boss screaming mm -hmm. at you type of thing. And I experienced a lot of that stuff at, at previous companies that I've worked at. And even the nonprofit environments I've worked at were not always the healthiest, like in terms of actual work-life balance. Mm -hmm. I remember, and this is like a really like tragic story, but I remember being so tired once on a train that I just was like thinking about like, what if I just laid down on this floor and slept? Like, what if I just did that? What if I did that? And yeah. like, I think about that now and I'm like, that's fucked up. Like, that's not <laughs> normal. That's not good. People shouldn't have to feel that way to go to work. And like, from the other side of it, from like the purely, you know, I, I come at things, I think, first and foremost, from the humane side and like mm -hmm. wanting people, genuinely caring about people's feelings and wanting them to feel good. And even on the sort of business sense side, people do their best work when they're able to sleep and mm -hmm. spend time with their partners or families or friends or pets or whatever it is that gives them joy in their life. People are more interesting and they have more interesting perspectives when they do other things in their lives and have space to do other things in their lives and to be full human beings. And like the fear, I think all the time in, in that kind of management structures that things don't get done. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you know, like, oh, oh, you're going to like 
you know, play with finger paints in kindergarten all day or something, <laughs> right? That, like, that's that that that's what happens. It's absolutely not the case. If you hire awesome people who care about their work and give them the freedom to do their work and also to, like, be able to engage in other things, the work gets done, and it's better, and it's more fun, and everybody's, frankly, happier. Yeah. Um, which doesn't mean there aren't problems. Like, problems exist. Nothing mm-hmm. is perfect. Reality is reality. But I prefer that structure over anything else, and I will say that till the day I die. <laughs> like, I just prefer that. And I prefer that for me, and I prefer that for the, the folks that I want to work with. And I think that collectively that's kind of a, a realization that I feel like we're coming more and more yeah. uh, to terms with generally. Like, it's not such a fringe idea now that hey, people are actually better at doing things when they're not miserable. (laughs) Right? They're not exhausted and falling asleep at their desk and, like, stress throwing up on the way to work. Like, which I've I've known that to happen. Like, a really dear friend of mine who I've worked with before, Mm -hmm. like, that happened to him sometimes because he was so stressed out and so burnt out. And it's just, like that's not a way to live. Like if you want to do this for a long time and you want to be in this for a long time, if you want to mm-hmm. foster new voices in this, you got to, you got to take care of yourself and you got to be in a place to take care of yourself. Like mm-hmm. it shouldn't be true that being able to take care of yourself is a privilege. Mm-hmm. It is in our reality, which is horrible. And we should do everything uh, to not make it that way. But as far as I'm able to do anything about it, I want to empower anybody on my staff to live that life, <laughs> to like live a, a balanced life. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting back to MMA a little yeah. bit, um, cause I think that's you not being in a quote unquote MMA person, the way we refer to as our ilk <laughs> in this <laughs> sure. space, sure. But it, it, it brings me an interesting perspective, but you know, as a person who is uh, a fan of the sport, um, yeah. curious about it, who consumes content about it, reads the news and everything like how, uh, do you feel like embraced by MMA, the MMA community? Like, is 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 it a a space that you feel welcome in, or that you have historically felt welcome in? So I have like two sides of that mm. uh, for sure. Like in terms of general MMA media mm-hmm. and like the internet, no, okay. <laughs> I am like the gayest person who's ever lived. I'm like a <laughs> queer feminist woman, right? Like I am. I don't like. The, the bad bullshit. I don't like the bro culture. I don't like the macho culture. I, I really dislike the culture of, like, you know, the Dana White super fans who mm-hmm. are hyper-capitalist Trump fans, you know, that, that yeah. type of thing. I will say, for me in my little life, I am blessed because I, I train at an MMA gym mm-hmm. that is incredibly queer-friendly. Like, we have rainbow flags all over the doors. Oh, that's <laughs> like, amazing. That's a great I, it's, experience. It's a, it's one of the main reasons I never want to move, mm-hmm. like, from my neighborhood and my city because, like, we have, like, a super inclusive MMA gym where everybody, mm-hmm. you know, lots of, like, non-binary folks and trans folks are, like, feel welcome and feel respected and we all train and we all have a great time. We all, like share MMA memes with each other. So it's like, we almost have like this teeny tiny little subculture at my gym where it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, we embrace the good things about the sport and then like laugh at the bad things about the sport. And like, you know, good naturedly make fun of each other by sharing memes about, you know, guard pulling or whatever. (laughs) That kind kind of shit. Or, you know, somebody gets like an amazing submission because we're we're all like grapplers. Um, Obviously, uh, folks train Muay Thai as well, but we're all like, 
primarily a grappler. Mm-hmm. So we get very excited when like a good grappler, you know, wins a fight kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but like, that's only because I have a little community around it yeah. that makes me feel welcome. Yeah. The wider world of it, I do think is changing to some extent. Like yeah. I, I do see some positive momentum, which is something you mentioned in a, in a piece you wrote about recently about like, mm-hmm. here are the comments that, you know, your piece about the comments I never want to read again. Um, you noted that like, okay, there is a, like at least somewhat less of the hyper obvious, mm-hmm. like piece of shit shill, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> but there's still enough of it. And there's still a lot of the like, yeah, but what, if, you know, the devil's advocate kind of stuff. So yeah. I still think there's a... <laughs> a long way to go with a lot of pieces of the fandom. Um, and a lot of it isn't just the sexism or the homophobia, which obviously, mm-hmm. and, and transphobia, which is like massive in certain corners of the sport. Right. A lot of it is the fucking asshole on their couch saying, whoa, he's so weak. Or like that person's so weak because they fainted on the scale or, oh, they're mm-hmm. so weak because they didn't want to take a fight. And it's like, what does someone have to do to prove that they're tough? If yeah. not, strip down to their underwear, cut 30 pounds of water weight, and, like, get in a fist fight yeah. for our entertainment. Like, yeah. what does a person have to... That part, I can I can never get through that. Like, I can never get over that. I'm like, what? How, how is this person not tough and strong and, like, unbelievably gone through sacrifice to be where they are? Like, how? <laughs> Or like they're afraid, they're scared, and we'll get to him in a little dodging bit. Him. <laughs> yeah, like, come on. Yeah, sure. This is a person who like chose to professionally take damage, not just in a cage, but in his everyday life because their everyday life, because training yes. is absolutely brutal for any high level athlete, but especially a combat sports athlete in the sense that it's not just the wear and tear and the basic like just your body breaking down on you but also like another human actively inflicting damage upon you and then you're like you're not scared of certain humans but then you're scared of others this doesn't even make sense in my head (laughs) like what how do you possibly have that that thought process like I don't I mean I know where it comes from it comes from the top I I, like again I'm not a fan of a lot of management Mm -hmm. (laughs) at you know, these promotions, like, especially, of yeah. course, the UFC. Um, and, like, the idea as well of, like, oh, the the media, you know, warping your feelings about things. And, you know, a lot of fighters themselves have a lot of, like, pretty toxic attitudes about yeah. it as well. Um, it's just, God, it's it's just frustrating and it's very tiring mm-hmm. um, to see, to read, to, you know, I, I don't get the kind of hate that you do for this. I get it for video games, which is, like, what's... I, I couldn't tell you which one was worse, right? Like, That's actually you. what I was going to ask. But. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, there are really, really toxic elements in, I think, any fandom, mm-hmm. and including, like, good things fandoms, you know, put it, put it in, like, quotes. Like, I think there are toxic elements and, like, weird parasocial things that can happen even in, like, the healthiest communities. Like, okay. I, I just think people mm-hmm. are weird online sometimes <laughs> and, like, have bad boundaries because... I mean, I don't want to get into a speech about this, but I don't think we're taught boundaries. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Very like as, well. <laughs> even as kids, right? Like, we're just kids. used to having our boundaries, like, ignored and... Yep. And and learning to ignore them. Like, oh, yeah. you know, uh, this is how you assert yourself is, mm-hmm. is by being, like, uh, you know, trampling over somebody's boundaries. So, like, maybe that's just, like, a societal, Ill, yeah. obviously. Um, but, yeah, I... 
I couldn't tell you what's worse. I survived Gamergate. Like, I was mm. in that. Like, I I was on vacation the mm. week it all broke out. And, like, my girlfriend and I, I, I was dating a, a person who was also, like, at, at another pretty high-profile site. And, like, we just had to keep changing everything. Like, we just had <gasps> to keep changing passwords and everything. That's crazy. <laughs> like, like getting, I, I can't even yeah. imagine being through, like living through that because as you know, me, I wasn't even as aware of it as it was happening. And now like, obviously I'm a, you know, as a, a feminist, like insert. Yeah, right. I, I love how you have to music. say it like <laughs> feminist, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> as a progressive yeah. feminist, uh, the dirty words, <laughs> I, I'm enraged looking back. And so you were, living through it basically yeah and i don't want to take too much credit of it like my girlfriend was at a site that was like part of the initial kind of thing so like anything she was connected with i was connected with and Mm -hmm. it was like you know i didn't get it nearly as bad as a lot of other people so this is not again me saying like oh i was target number one i was absolutely not i just still had a lot of the you know the the um uh what is it t- called with radiation? Like the fallout. Like okay. I had a lot of, yeah, I had a lot of like the, the fallout kind of stuff and a lot of like, I'm sorry, this is going to be a bit of a content warning uh, here, but like a lot of like the just sort of general, you know, rape threats and please die of cancer Jesus. and all that kind of horse shit, which is like, again, I started my career at the ACLU. I was so used to reading that stuff. I was so used to seeing that stuff as like a communications person at the ACLU. Like we had somebody draw a painting of like a bunch of staff members descending brimstones through hell. Like it was incredible. It was like, I have to laugh at that because that's like a next level troll. That's like a, okay, that, that makes me laugh a little bit. That's dedication Um, though. Like it was (laughs) dedicated. It was dedication. Like my executive director there used to bring it out at like holiday parties. Like check this out. Like you you almost get a little bit of, of a sense of humor about it in a place like that. But also, and this is not excusing anybody's horrible opinions because obviously a lot of those people did have horrible opinions, but that was always about things like the death penalty Mm. and free speech. Mm. (laughs) And like to get that level of hate over women have opinions about video games was like baffling to me. Mm-hmm. It's like, why, why are you mad, bro? <laughs> why are you this mad about this? And obviously there's a million things that go into that, but it sure did confuse me, especially like a year and a half into, you know, being full time in uh, video game journalism at that point. Um, you know, it was wild. It was not great. It was not fun. It was not a, a good thing. But how do you like but, not lose your faith in like in the entire humankind like, <laughs> legitimately? Because you're such a positive person and you've like been yeah. exposed to some of like the darkest of the human <laughs> behavior. Like how are you just like, okay, I'm just, I guess there are good things. I'm just going to focus on those. Like how do you not yeah, yeah, hate everything and everyone all the time? Yeah, I mean, I have my days. (laughs) Don't worry. I have my days where I'm pretty pissed and and I'm pretty upset about the the state of the world. Mm -hmm. The the honest answer right now, like Mm. for Danielle in 2021, is that I love that I go outside and I do other things. Okay. uh, Often. And Mm -hmm. like, I have seen things, I've seen really horrible things on my ambulance, but I've also seen like, I think the best of humanity as well. Like. And this is also like a New York pride thing here, right? But there are so many times where I have encountered a call for like a an intoxicated person, a passed out person on the street. And like some bystander who does not know this person 
from Adam is like standing there with them and just hanging out with them mm-hmm. until we show up. And then they're like, is they, are they okay? Like, are they breathing? You know, like people who just care and give a shit about just their fellow person that they don't know at all, like whatsoever. Yeah. Cause that's always the first thing you ask. Oh, is somebody know this person? Cause then, you know, if they have a medical condition, they have something, you know, you get that bit of information, you, you know how to treat them a little better. Um, but yeah, like that's a big part of it is that I get to do other things. Yeah. And I, I go outside and I see what other people are like, because some of it really is, People who are too online have a warped sense of reality. And yeah, like, right? Like, maybe that sounds a little harsh for me to say that. No, but, but it's true. That's exactly what <laughs> I was going to say. Like, and, and now yeah. our onlineness, right? It's so exacerbated because obviously the conditions that yeah. I'm. I'm that kind of person that I'm like, I always say, tell people, do not discount the weight of our online experiences because yes. so much of our time is spent online that, you know, a lot of people say, oh, Twitter's just an app. Like, take it off your phone and you won't have to worry <laughs> about it. So don't worry about what people are saying on Twitter about you. And I feel like that's disingenuous considering, especially yeah. now, the amount of time that we spend like how much of that our human connection really stems from those uh, sources, especially right now. But then at the same time, I feel like what you're telling me is kind of like, okay, I have that, but also I have this other thing outside of my online life that gives me perspective. Yes, Yes, absolutely. And like, I'm very lucky, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm not, you know, I'm an able-bodied person who's able to go and like train with my friends. That mm-hmm. makes me feel better. I'm I'm a person who can go out and go on an ambulance and see some bad shit, but also see some of this like very mm-hmm. inspiring kind of stuff too. So like a lot of this is luck. I know a lot of people cannot actually, especially right now, go outside very often. Yeah. So I don't want to, when I'm saying this, I don't mean to be flippant and say go outside. Like yeah. it's not, it's not that easy either. Yeah. Like I fully of course, understand but that. I understand what you mean. Like I, I didn't even yeah. mean outside like <laughs> Literally, I mean, like, figuratively. Right, right. Like, <laughs> a life going outside, outside of, of some screen. of these zones. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. And, like, there are wonderful things about online mm-hmm. communities, too. Like, we have such a healthy and awesome and bustling and fun, I think, little community here at Fanbyte. Yeah. Where, like, people have, just as a quick example, like, people ask, like, really fun questions. And now we're doing that on Channel F, like, our, our, our sort of main video game podcast. We're like, okay... This is a hilarious question. Like, yes, I need to think about what video game characters I would bring to dinner. And, like, just having that little spark, that little bit of creativity, that little bit of fun, that's also, like, honestly, mm-hmm. like, a healing and an inspiring thing, too. So it's it's really just treating everything like it's anything else. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, any community, whether it's in person or it's online, like, needs to be treated with, you know, having healthy boundaries and being able to express healthy boundaries. Yeah. And, uh, you know, being kind and being a, you know, Sorry to be, like, reductive, but, like, be normal and be good to each other, (laughs) you know, a little bit. (laughs) But, like, I think we're at a time, like, that the most basic notions of human decency cannot be overstated. And, like, like, it's worth remembering the very basic things because apparently we cannot even take those uh, for granted anymore. (laughs) Uh, One thing I wanted to ask you, I mean, and this is also something I feel like we've talked about before in the past, but... um, before in the but that's redundant. I'm a little hey, redundant. Hey, you know, p- before in the past times, <laughs> don't don't even worry. I couldn't think about Fallout for a minute. I was like, it's a video game series, a uh, nuclear, and, uh, <laughs> hmm, falling in. Is that it? So don't. Don't feel bad. <laughs> in, the, in the in the past times of yesteryears, uh, we have discussed uh, just sort of the 
jokingly, like whenever a fighter says something that is problematic or just pl- yep. flat out weird and we're like, oh, here's another one for the list. And we say jokingly, <laughs> but at the same time, I feel like that speaks yeah. to a sort of conflict um, that I I know I experienced a lot and I've talked to previous guests about it a lot that, you know, you're you're following the sport, you're a fan of it. And at the same time, there are so many problematic layers, not even just, you know, fighters saying them shit online, but like the way that the sport kind of is built, uh, how exploitative it is toward the athletes, you know, the practices like weight cutting that we don't even discuss enough. You know, there are so many factors um, that I personally, as somebody who covers it, gets conflicted uh, about. And I guess that's what I wanted to ask, you know, as as somebody following it, um, you know, somebody who who can kind of have that critical sort of mindset looking at it. Do you always, do you ever get those like mixed feelings or like get conflicted about even enjoying an MMA in the first place? Oh yeah. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> I mean, like from like a very, very like human level, yeah. right. We are sometimes reveling in the damage one person is doing yep. to another person. <laughs> and like, I, I totally understand this is like, it's a sport. There are rules, right. Mm-hmm. I'm not like laughing at a street fight, but like, it's still, fucked up (laughs) on some level, right? Like, you know, the fight this weekend with with Stipe and Francis Ngannou, like, you know, it's like, oh my God, that knockout, you know, you have that reaction and then it's like, oh, well, that that dude got hurt. (laughs) You know, like there's just this very, very on the surface level and it's very much something that, you know, comes to mind whenever, you know, I try to show somebody the sport who doesn't watch it mm-hmm. and I'm like okay you gotta understand there's gonna be some blood there's gonna be a lot of blood okay like I, I almost am like you know talking to them like they're my patient or something I'm like oh there's gonna be a lot of blood right <laughs> oh, watch out there's a lot of blood <laughs> yeah that area of the body very vascularized so you might see like richer blood coming out from there I'm not exactly. an EMT but I watched a lot of VR so I feel like that's exactly. That's like it's 11 like, seasons. I feel like I know a thing or two. Okay. Uh, you pick, respect up, you my pick knowledge. up some things. <laughs> you pick things up. You know, you pick things up, right? <laughs> um, for me, that aspect is difficult to deal with sometimes. Mm-hmm. But but re- the worst is is how much I don't trust the big promotions. Yeah. Right. And like how much they, how I, how much I wish fighters we're in a better position to unionize. Mm-hmm. And like really, really respect fighters uh, like Leslie Smith who are, trying for that, who are trying for something, because these athletes should be treated as good or even more protected than in a lot of other sports, mm-hmm. right? They are being damaged. They are not being paid well. If you're not in the whatever, I forget the percentage, but I know there's like an actual percentage point of fighters who are like basically making a good living and then people who are barely making ends meet. And it's like, they're professional fighters. These are not just people doing this as a hobby, like mm-hmm. as an amateur. This is These are people, this is their full-time job. They're very good athletes. They're high-level athletes. They should be protected. They should have health insurance for their lives, which they might need later in life. Like, yeah. It's really the like disgusting, terrible business practices that make me feel the most skeeved out, even more than the blood part, which maybe I'm a little desensitized to that because I see real blood sometimes <laughs> uh maybe i don't know or maybe i'm just a weird human who you know is like more okay with the idea of consensual violence than some people are and i don't blame other people uh for for not liking to watch that at all like mm-hmm. i you know certainly think that's valid if somebody does just does not like to see that that's perfectly valid yeah. um yeah it's it, there's a lot of conflicts for me there's a lot of 
um, like, there's a lot of, oh, am I supporting this terrible business, you know, with my ESPN subscription and when I, you know, when I buy a PPV or, mm-hmm. or I'm just like, okay, I want to, I want to buy this one so I can support Amanda Nunes because, you know, I love her. She's great. She's, she's so cool. She's such a, you know, queer icon in my, in my mind. Yeah. And then also, but then also like, well, I'm also I'm supporting UFC much more than I'm supporting her, right? Like <laughs> buying a, a pay-per-view. Exactly. So, yeah, so it, it is very difficult, and I don't have an answer for yeah. it. Like I, I've struggled with this with a lot of different types of media. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of, of this that kind of goes along with. Oh, do you buy a video game from a company that we know is like pretty abusive to its workers? Mm-hmm. You know, that that makes its uh, employees crunch really badly, which mm-hmm. is a term. If you if you're not familiar, it's basically making them work something like 80, 90 plus hours a week for weeks or months just to get something out on time so that, you know, mm-hmm. you get the shareholders happy money. <laughs> like it's it's very much in the same place for me. Yeah. Like it's supporting abusive uh business practices. And um and you edit Natalie's columns, uh for us yes. she's our other sports yeah. writer and she really that's her beat she writes about sort of labor relations and everything so. else and not in mma and I, i'm reading her i'm always kind of like maybe mma isn't that bad <laughs> and then i'm like maybe <laughs> it is and i shouldn't even be like equating things it's all <laughs> right. bad like so, but you get to read really all about all of it like it's not an mma problem really it's kind of yeah. like an everything problem yeah, it's all labor problems. Yeah, right? like it's it's labor, and I I don't I don't at all know labor laws in mm-hmm. other countries. I I clearly imagine it's much much worse in some places, and perhaps a bit better in some places. So, I can only ever speak to what I know about America. I mean, I'm a union member. I'm in the Writers Guild actually, yeah. <laughs> like, and I was in uh, my previous workplace, and I actually was able to just stay on and and stay in there. So, this is one of those things where I believe very very strongly in unions and mm-hmm. unionization. But it is also like genuinely, and I and I mean this, and this is depressing. But even a union is only like a band aid on a gushing wound. Like everything about the structures mm-hmm. we live in is broken and not not good and not you know humanely uh, put together. So all about unions as like a first step yeah. <laughs> towards things being better in most industries or in mm-hmm. in most workplaces or in most uh, contexts. Obviously, I'm sure there are potentially some context I'm not thinking of right now that might not be a good fit yeah. for that. But yeah, any some kind of organization, mm-hmm. right? Some kind of uh employee uh uh you know organizing. And but then also that's not gonna actually fix everything. That yeah. might help some things. Uh, I've seen it in action helping. I I helped to bargain for our last contract when I was at Vice. I was there at the bargaining table mm-hmm. and I saw the power that it can have, but mm-hmm. it's still not enough. So yeah, labor is something I care about very, very deeply, uh, and, <laughs> and I also am, get pretty depressed if I think about it too for much. too long, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is a normal human reaction. Yeah, to be honest. <laughs> and in MMA, right? Like, in, there are I, and this, this is what I think is where I really fall short. Like, I don't really have a lot of grasp uh, in those subjects, especially the way yeah. that labor laws and everything work in the U.S. Not that I'm an expert in Brazil, but like, this is sure. just not my area. And then at the same time, it's a reality that's becoming more and more like apparent. Uh, recently, just this week, we've had this whole conversation with Joan Jones, who let's yes. please ignore his dumbass tweet about Lil Nas X's uh, Nike shoes and 
Oh my god. The other several dumb things that Joe Jones has believed. Joe Jones is, is yeah, he is he has made some boo-boos in the past. <laughs> he continues to make boo-boos. Oh but, my hey, god. he might be right about one thing this week. So yeah. Right? Like here's the thing with Joe Jones, like he makes it really hard for us. Um to yeah. to be on board, but at the same time, he makes some really good points. This week, obviously, uh, you mentioned Francis yeah. Ngannou beat Stipe Miocic and became the UFC's new heavyweight champion. And uh, this a fight between Joan Jones and Ngannou or Stipe, but I think that Ngannou maybe has a little more intrigue has been discussed sure. for a long time. And Joan Jones has even been uh, reportedly moving up weight. He's been posting things talking about moving up to heavyweight and, you know, just technically putting the time in to actually make that transition. And the yeah. minute the fight is over, uh, we get like <laughs> Dana White, the UFC's president, uh, apparently who technically is a promoter, being very unwilling to promote his athletes right. again in that fight. And, and, John Jones went on Twitter, tweeted a lot of things, deleted a lot of things. So the traditional <laughs> cycle of John Jones. We've been through it several times in the past, but he had a point. Yeah. And I feel like the best tweet he has he had was, I always hear about how much the company is growing yet. One year later, I find myself in the same spot. I put in the work. I've done my part. I have completely transformed myself. And now I meet a brick wall. How discouraging. And I was like, yeah. Yeah, yeah Joe Jones, yeah. I'm forced to agree with you again once more. Um, I have in the past, like when I think it was a year ago when he started having uh, making his issues with the UFC more more public. And that to me is just such an example, you know, of one thing that Luke Thomas said, uh, a fellow MMA journalist said yeah. that I think is very interesting. It's kind of like the in general lines that's not his exact quote but like okay let's the discussion now is how do we go about helping fighters organize because we need to move past the discussion of whether they get paid enough like we've established they don't get paid enough like these arguments yeah. don't even deserve engagement at this point yeah and i agree with it and at the same time that brings it just a whole new layer of complicated with mma in particular right like how do we even go about creating sort of this this organization between fighters when the whole system was built in a way that really incentivizes the the disunion of them i don't know it's just some, such a complicated thing and yeah. i often find myself very conflicted because i feel like i when i discuss these things i should have like solutions and ideas and i just kind of don't i don't know i come up a little bit short yeah I, I feel the same way a lot of the time, mm -hmm. uh, frankly, about a, a lot of subjects. But I always kind of come back to the idea that, like, there's a lot of very smart people mm -hmm. in this world that can come up with good solutions yeah. and good workable solutions. And I think the reason it hasn't happened, that we don't have better organization, mm -hmm. is that there's pressure from management against it, right? Like, yeah. it's it's extreme. And I think a lot of fighters might not actually know the benefits, right? Mm -hmm. Or they might be, there are complications. Like, it's not like... Again, unions, I think, are incredible and very, very necessary first step towards things being more equitable. Mm -hmm. There are complications with them. Mm -hmm. You know, it does take a lot of work. It does take a lot of work to make it work. And if you don't know anything about it mm -hmm. and you don't know what the benefits could potentially be or, or how much it'll benefit, you know, your fellow workers, yeah. like, you might not genuinely understand, you know, how to go about that process. So yeah. I, I do actually understand, like, oh, I— 
I get the idea of like, I don't, I don't know, you know, <laughs> what's going on. But the thing is, there are incredibly intelligent people yeah. who have figured this out in other contexts, yeah. right? Like there are incredibly intelligent labor organizers and labor theorists and, you know, the folks at every level of making positive change happen in other places in the world, in other industries, in other, you know, in other sports even, right? They, there are people who have figured it out. So I trust that the problem is not brain power or, mm-hmm. or the fact that better solutions don't exist. Yeah. I trust, I, I sadly am like, no, it's because business as usual is much better for, <laughs> for whose, whose pockets are being lined yeah. right now. And we see um, how fundamental yeah. of a problem it is when you, when the narrative, like the public narrative is like so many of the fans and not just in MMA, right? Like in everything, just flock yeah. to the side of the powerful billionaires <laughs> and yeah. not to the side of <laughs> the athletes who make the sport. And, and, you know, on an individual level, like, yes, like, what are you thinking? But also I feel like that kind of shows how fundamental the issue is, right? Like it's also kind of yeah. a cultural shift that I do kind of think that we're going through now of maybe re-examining the way that things, um, are conducted, but at the same time makes me like really sad. <laughs> just like, I yeah. guess just that's just how we are as a society. We think that it's okay that people hoard all the money and that everybody else is fucked. Okay. Oh, well, what yeah, you going to yeah. do? <laughs> it, it's depressing. It's, de- it's, it's especially depressing when like, I don't know if I have a conversation with some, like my mom mm-hmm. <laughs> or something, right. Where she gets a lot of it and she is like, you know, she thinks of herself as, as a very liberal person. Like, okay. you know, she's from like a smaller place kind uh-huh. of thing. And like, you know, or, but like you have these discussions sometimes with folks who are smart and they're well-meaning and they're kind people, but they just haven't kind of made a, a particular leap towards, okay, then e- extreme wealth is actually bad. <laughs> like it's actually really bad uh, for a society. Like this, this level of avarice is actually really bad. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, you know, things aren't like they were in the 60s or 50s in, in that context. Like, they're really actually not. Like, maybe you don't quite see it because you live in a certain place or in a certain bubble. Um, but knowing that, yeah, actually, it's horrible to have multi-billionaires and trillionaires and, you know, levels of wealth that have never existed before. Actually, like, it's bad. It seems like such a simple <laughs> notion. And yet if it's... it's- it feels so radical sometimes when I say it and people react so poorly about it. Like sometimes I jokingly would include like jabs at capitalism in my like fight guides, which were just silly little things. And, <laughs> yeah. and like people would react like really angry, like, oh yeah, what about communism? They killed everyone. I'm like, first of all, how do you think <laughs> capitalism is like hanging on? Uh, <laughs> second of all, like, really? Like this is this is the the hill you're dying on. Like you're just gonna ignore this whole thing and get mad because I took a jab at capitalism. Uh and I'm pretty God. sure that person is not a multi-billionaire, but you know, you never know. Maybe that's, there is a multi-billionaire. <laughs> Just reading my shit and being like, ah, oh. <laughs> she wants to. No, they're they're like they're on a private plane somewhere, just like playing <laughs> golf on top of the plane. Like, they, <laughs> like the people who are doing this are people who genuinely think that they could become a billionaire. Yeah, right. They just do things right enough, right? Which is sad as hell. And a myth that was sold to all of us, right? Like that's not yeah. even. It take it, it's sad. I, I don't know. Like I feel like there should be like a a show about people realizing they're never going to be millionaires. Like when that moment hits, <laughs> hits us into, I feel like we all had that moment in our lives that it was like, Oh wait, <laughs> that's not a thing that's going to happen to me. <laughs> yeah. Coming to it's terms like, who with wants that. to, 
who wants to realize they're not a millionaire like that's, <laughs> that's the title of this show that's i feel like we have a million dollar ideas every time we have <laughs> maybe Wait, this is it fernanda Fernanda, is this how we make a million dollars? Maybe, but then we'll be contradicting ourselves. I don't know if I want that for us. I know. We might like blink out of existence at that point. Like it won't, like you can't have that, you know? I'll be too busy like playing golf on top of my plane to worry about what you, you commoners are thinking about me. Uh, (laughs) One other like sort of timely topic I wanted to touch on you um, with you before we... We part uh, this week. Another thing. This when I say this week, I mean last week. Uh, time is a yeah, construct, okay. and, <laughs> and we're getting rid of it during the pandemic. I don't know if you've noticed. Like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm reversed aging, and I'm actually going to turn 28 this year. In case you haven't heard. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, I decided Congratulations. that. Congratulations! I decided that this year that I lost is just gonna like give me back three years. It's my own little rewards program. I like that. <laughs> uh, this past week, uh, we had a little, uh, another one of those incidents that people might think I'm blowing out of proportion, but you know, you made it this far. So, um, <laughs> that, well, Stephen A. Smith, a uh, friend of the podcast has, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Decided to tweet, uh, make a congratular. Actually, no, time really is a construct because this happened Sunday. So technically it it is this week because we're. Oh, it's this week. Yeah, because yeah, this is we're recording on a Tuesday. But yeah. he talked about uh, he made this tweet uh, praising the broadcast, the UFC broadcast. Nothing wrong with that. That's great. Give props to your um colleagues uh, but he uh unsurprisingly in a tweet that quote that that included basically let me count one two three four five six seven eight uh different men uh he left out <laughs> uh megan olivi who is yeah. a usc reporter an actual friend of the podcast <laughs> right? Yes. has been here in the yes. past. And yeah, basically he did a tweet. Forgive me for bragging, but we've got the best UFC coverage in the world on ESPN+. Plus. You got to see the, the quoted everyone. And then Megan Olivi in an absolute boss move, classy, mm-hmm. just responded, uh, hey there, you're forgetting someone. Uh, ah. Yeah, which was amazing, an amazing uh, and classy and elegant, very Megan like yeah. uh, tweet. Yeah. But jokes aside, I feel like when I saw that tweet, which again to my some people might seem small, like just an oversight, you know, happens to me. Just spoke to kind of a bigger trend, especially coming from mm-hmm. a guy who just a few weeks ago was talking about how he doesn't. Nothing against it, but doesn't really like watching women fights as if that wasn't a big deal. Yet one of those technically oh. harmless comments. Um, and in this case, I I was outraged um, yeah. personally by this one just because I felt like it, it it's worse than actually like coming after somebody in a way because it's like to me and I might be projecting a lot like I usually do, but it just felt like yet another way of sort of invisibilizing is that a verb it is now uh (laughs) (laughs) women's work right um and that's kind of my two cents on it but i wanted to touch on on the whole thing with you like yeah first of all did it surprise you at all (laughs) that this is still a thing that happens (laughs) no 
a very depressingly unsurprising mm-hmm. type of thing where he's like high-fiving every bro. Mm-hmm. It's honestly just like high-five every bro, high-five every bro, high-five every bro. Yeah. And like the most visible woman who works her entire ass off mm-hmm. every time, every time she's on that broadcast and is like right there front and center. She's doing the big interview. She is there. He just, for, you know, yeah. forgot she was in there. Yeah. Oh, women, you know, it's almost like, oh, women shouldn't fight. Also, women shouldn't be reporters. Yeah. Like, that's what it feels like, you know, like such a, such a, ugh. I, I am frustrated by it. And yeah. I'm not, I'm not Megan. If I were her, I would be throwing my phone. Like, I would be so, so, so upset to not see, like, okay, like, is there a second tweet where, like, you know, the other names are? Like, is there is there a second tweet? The, the one person <laughs> where all the women who are part who, of the broadcast are? Because that's right, the thing; like, she was part of like, that particular broadcast too. Like, it's not even like you have to yeah. cite every single person who works um, in the team. But and the thing to me that makes it the most upsetting is kind of like honestly. Again, I was sort of pleasantly surprised by the responses to her tweet that were a lot yeah. of like. We know, like, the real ones know, Megan, you're, ama- like, sort of encouraging yeah. her, yeah. Uh, especially because Stephen A. Smith doesn't really have a lot of credibility within the MMA uh, bubble. Yeah. But <laughs> at the same time, what what really frustrated me about it, and it's just that, and then you complain about something like this, and people are like, like, what's the big deal? Like, you just forgot. Yeah. Like, it's just, it just such a small, it seems like such a small thing. And as women we're so used to these small things and mm-hmm. i again projecting the fuck out of this i'm not megan but like i kind of put myself in her place and thought back to all the times that i went through something like that seemed very small to other people but to me like really hurt yeah. and that really like spoke to my bigger existence in the whole thing and and i don't know it just made me so angry because i feel like that's so many of us, right? And we end up, yeah. I don't know if this happens to you. Like, I feel like I sometimes gaslight myself. Like, tra- yep. talk myself out, right? Time. Like, you talk yourself out <laughs> of yep. your own, like, frustrations. Yeah, I've had um, anybody that I work with and is, like, you know, a, a sort of a, a, a colleague and a confidant knows. Mm-hmm. I constantly come to, like, I'll go to John, I'll go to Steven, I'll, I'll go to Merritt, and I'll just be like, am am I losing my mind or was the, did this suck? Like yeah. I seriously find myself checking with people. I did this all the time at Waypoint, like at Vice. Like I would constantly go to one of my colleagues and be like, am I losing my mind or is this person being really shitty to me? Yeah. And like, because I just would not believe it myself. I will always gaslight myself and think, no, I'm making a big deal out of it. I'm mm-hmm. making a big deal out of it. I'm making a big deal out of it. And then it really bothers me and I'm really upset about it. And I'm like, okay, I need a sanity check. It's almost <laughs> like I'm like, sanity check, aisle three. Danielle needs a sanity <laughs> check. Like, like I'm calling over the loudspeaker, right? Like, like I just, I need that because mm-hmm. my sense of reality is so warped, <laughs> frankly, um, by a lot of these kind of microaggressions or mm-hmm. by, like, the reply guy on Twitter who thinks he's being real fucking clever. Yeah. Real fucking clever. So smart. <laughs> like, oh, you know, and whatever they say. And I'll be like, do I laugh at this? Yeah. Am I actually mad about this? Like, I have to, like, do a whole thing around it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, which, on its face, like, that's banana pants. <laughs> that I have to, like, spend a part of my day <laughs> that I need to be managing my team and giving everybody the attention that they need mm-hmm. on whether or not a fucking shitty, stupid thing somebody said to me 
is actually upsetting and actually, you know what I mean? Like, it's ridiculous that that this is the case. It's ridiculous that people feel the need to say this this sort of thing or they feel entitled to be so dismissive of women in our work and the things that we do. Like, it, it's, it's really ridiculous. I constantly am just like, so I looked at the calendar and it's 2021. Like, I'm constantly doing that, you know, just constantly. And sometimes it's not even it. like a... I, I even talked about this. I was on Jimmy Smith's uh, podcast last week yeah. and uh, his show, sorry, uh, called uh, Unlocking the Cage. And he was, is it Unlocking the Cage? I'm sorry, Jimmy, if I got the name wrong. I'm like a weird brain person. But and I talked a little <laughs> bit about this and like just the microaggressions of having people like doubt your credentials and things like that just because you're a woman. And it was something that I talk about all the time. Um Unlocking the cage. I was correct. Uh, oh, nice. Yeah, awesome. Yay me. Uh, <laughs> it's just like a, something that I, whenever I go on these shows, I'm always a little like worried about being repetitive because this is something that I talk so much about, mm-hmm. like in my work and, and in other podcast appearances and everything. And then like the clip like had kind of a mildly mild repercussion because I had like a lot of women are teen it. And I was just like blown away by that because it was just kind of like, dude, this is so basic. And at the same time, like people are responding to it so well because then I had people like be like, oh, I love that you like you had the 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 not necessarily courage, but like good on you for like speaking up. And like, this is such a minor thing that I'm like, this is not supposed to be courageous. This is like everyday life for us. And it just highlighted to me sort of like how how our experiences are still not heard in so yeah. many ways, right? It's crazy. Yeah, I think, especially in these fields, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm, I'm speaking more about video games because that's more of where yeah, my yeah. experiences obviously come from. Although, like, I sure do have chuds who want to, <laughs> like, tell me about medical things okay. and EMS things. That's also, great. I oh, that's a thing, like, too. I didn't know. <laughs> I just, like, what? Like some anti-vax chud, you know, talking to me about Mm -hmm. like vaccine side effects kind of thing. And I'm just like, look, I'm not an epidemiologist, but I know a few things. (laughs) Like, they'll be like, what cut? oh, what's your experience worth? And I'm like, I don't know. I've been doing EMS for free for five years in New York, you fucking idiot. Like, I don't know. (laughs) Like, sorry to be crass, but like, yeah, I, I get that too. Like anything that you do, I think as a woman- will be questioned. Anything you do as a person of color, I think gets mm-hmm. questioned. Um, anything like anything where you're not the thing that Hollywood said was the default human, which is, you know, white, you know, mm-hmm. cis, able-bodied uh, dude. Like any, anytime you're, if you're not the default of something in uh, any kind of field, that's not kind of, you know, uh, very, you know, like full of folks of color or full of women, then you're just going to get, like, questioned on it by chuds mm-hmm. because that's just like, oh, that's what happens. You mm-hmm. get questioned on it by chuds or full-on hatred from chuds. Like, there's both. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's a there's a beautiful spectrum, a beautiful <laughs> rainbow of horrible things. They're all unique in their own <laughs> special ways. Uh, <laughs> the horrible you know? replies that you get, they all have their, their yeah. special little flavor. It's amazing. <laughs> you got all kinds of – it's like the Harry Potter jelly beans, but they're all the bad ones. <laughs> you know, there's, like, the vomit bean and the, like – Booger bean and the, the like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what you get. That's all the beautiful flavors of the rainbow of internet chugs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah. since I like to try to close this, these episodes on a more uh, 
positive note. Um, yeah, yes. <laughs> I do. I do think, and sometimes I, I don't know if I'm just being delusional, but I welcome just the little, little bit of delusion. Uh, <laughs> I do kind of yeah. feel like we're positive. We're walking like collectively toward a positive direction. Like in a way, I do yeah. feel like we're, we're allowing more diverse voices be heard. Like in the same ways that, social media and the way that information and, and voices are more democratic now that in the same way that that backfires spectacularly from now to time to time. <laughs> sure, sure. I do like, I do kind of feel optimistic in that we're giving more spaces to, to voice it to, to different voices. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Do you share that optimism? Like about the way. I, I have I'm of two minds. Okay. On on one hand, I I share some optimism, yeah. and I think a lot of the times that uh, there are there are positive steps in terms of our cultural kind of attitudes towards things. Mm-hmm. I think that things that were not acceptable uh, today would have been absolutely fine, mm-hmm. you know, a few years ago. In a lot of ways, like I, I look at the way we talk, uh, especially about queer folks and trans folks, um, in a lot of spaces, like that would be absolutely utterly unacceptable now that would have been totes fine like a few years ago in like in a lot of ways right um so i think there are some things that are good about it and i also think the magnitude of the chuds that is a reaction to things getting better so it's almost like oh this is like a horrible unpleasant side effect but that that the overall thing might actually be getting a little bit better because the chuds are so threatened you know what i mean Mm -hmm. that like oh that's actually like a a a sign of progress Mm -hmm. on the other hand though I worry a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I worry mostly about media because of, of you know, the ways in which like venture capitalism has infected media yep. and the ways in which like consolidation mm-hmm. and the like, you know, I'm very sorry, but like the corporate fail sons that run a lot of these places <laughs> uh, will the not mazepins that. foster that. <laughs> yeah, the, the mazepins <laughs> of the corporate world. <laughs> That's an F1 thing. That's to listen to our podcast actually on. You'd love to see it about Formula One and you will understand that reference uh, <laughs> from from uh, this week as well. Um, I, I worry about the conditions under which media is done, okay. basically, mm-hmm. uh, not allowing more of that to happen. Okay. Because I do think it's happening on a cultural level. Mm-hmm. I do worry, though, about it happening on that sort of corporate level or the corporate level stifling some of those voices that we've now seen a little bit more of, okay you know, getting a little bit more uh expression a little maybe a little tiny bit more foot mm-hmm. footholds uh, and that's why we need places yeah <laughs> that aren't run by that that sort of thing that are independent of that at least to some extent or you know make their money in in some other fashion or you know um i i guess i can't speak too too much about the corporate level mm-hmm. of of you know, what we do here, but all I can do is run my team the way I want to run it. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, and try to do that and try my hardest uh, to make it a healthy workplace and make it an inclusive workplace. So yeah, that's what I can do. I'm never going to be a corporate fail son because I, uh, <laughs> I, I just can't. I don't think I could be corporate if I tried, you know, like I don't think my my gay little ass would like <laughs> ever fit in on like a little board. Like they'd be like, what, Danielle, why are you wearing like a tank top and running shorts to this meeting? Like you can't, you got to wear something. And I'll be like, what? What do you like, mean? You, this you're is not a, supposed what? to be wearing like your hash guard, your 
your rash guard. My rash guard? Yeah. I have worn rash guards to actual union meetings before, and I have a rash guard that's like, (laughs) I swear to God, it's like a, a, it looks like it was airbrushed onto somebody's sweet ass van. Like it's like a, it's like an Artemis lady, like, like pulling back a, 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 an arrow and it's like deep purple. And I was just like, listen guys, I'm, I'm training right after this. It's fine. It's going to be fine. (laughs) I have done that. <laughs> Which makes you uh, a great boss. <laughs> that you, well, I mean, there are other things too, but mostly, <laughs> mostly this. It's mostly the rash guard. Mostly yeah. the rash guard, I would say. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. That's what does it. <laughs> I yeah. got to wrap this up because uh, we are, we are both of the opinion that podcasts shouldn't last forever, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But thank you so much for being here. I guess, um, Thank you. Anything else you want to direct our listeners to? We have several other podcasts, so feel free to plug those. But <laughs> also your Twitter, your <laughs> things. Feel free. This is this yeah. is your your space, your time, honey. You do you. Oh, well, thank you. Well, if anybody feels like looking at my Rascard selfies on Twitter, that's at Danielle R.I. That's mostly what I post there. It's like shit posts, things about video games, and then like workout selfies because I'm back to doing, I'm back at my gym now. I'm vaccinated, so I'm able to go back to my gym. So yeah, you'll see plenty of that if you want to follow. That's, you know, that's a very specific following. So, you know, hey, you do you also. Um, also cats. Yeah, like, please. Cats. Also a lot of cat pictures. I've got two cats and a dog, so see? lots of cute pictures of them. Amazing. You know, I'm living my best life. It's, it's very good. I pick up a lot of poop, but it's all right. It's um, <laughs> uh, yeah, and also, of course, um, I'm on. I guess I'll, I'll I'll plug a couple of podcasts on our network. You can go to, of course, uh, podcastnet.work. That will take you to all of our great shows. But I, every week I'm on. You love to see it with you, of course, Fernando. Now, yeah, uh, we're doing Point Break this week, and it's the 69th episode, nice. so I think it's perfect. I think we may have done it perfectly. Uh, <laughs> and also, of course, Channel F, uh, which goes up on uh, Wednesday mornings. That's our video game show. So if you like MMA and video games, my God, do we have a show for you? It's, it's right there. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Danielle, for being here today. Thank you all at home for listening to us. Thank you for everybody who is not a right-wing grifter preying on the vulnerabilities <laughs> of people for uh, money and prestige. This has been the best camp of my life. See you all next week. Bye.